Oh, I'm in a garage. Say it again for me. Oh my god. Garage. I'm in the wheelhouse. What about us? <laughs> when you guys try and do a UK accent, it is the best yeah, thing on this right. planet. I don't want anything up here. Oh, shut it. Bottom walks around doing that shit all day long. It's hilarious. I need a video of that. <laughs> nah, I suck at doing uh, accents in general. It's an embarrassment to accenters. Accenters. I think you should give Bikizi Noir cast like shady hosting with the British accent that you're gonna practice. But a British accent, I won't be able to catch. A British accent. I was discussing film noirs oh, and yesterday Australia. Oh my god, you sound like you're on Skype and there's a bad signal and it's skipping. All mixed in with our unintelligible banter. Your host for the show, Carly Street and Jason D. Morris. I'll cut into this for a whole hour. Oh, wow. I'm not even sure how to fucking do it. I can't I can't differentiate the vowels and different letters that you guys decide to drop out of your words <laughs> or add in the case of words like color where you add a use that's, that's how it's spelt it's not <laughs> i guess it would be because you guys were around before america america just you know acts like they own the world yeah we tell you and how to spell your words damn it you just don't listen <laughs> right i think what it is america just decided they wanted to be stupid <laughs> and like literally they wanted to be stupid so they decided we don't need those extra letters <laughs> or maybe we thought throw we those away really clever by adding all these extra letters <laughs> maybe. i do i do find it well, it couldn't have been because america came second so we, had, we took the letters funny, out though. you guys didn't add them when um you whenever there's like a new book or something and you're like get excited yeah let's do a book let's do volume two let's do volume seven let's keep going and then i send you something that i've written you're like this doesn't make sense why are you spelling words wrong <laughs> there we go again <laughs> oh boy it is exciting we got the new book that's out it is exciting. speaking of books mine's on its way i yeah. my author copy it's it's yeah. traveling to me via Poland, I believe, right now. Well, by the time that people hear this, it's going to have been out for a while. Oh yeah. Um, right. So, I mean, that's that's awesome. I can't wait to see what the response is to it. Um, and for you guys at home, uh, our last book, "The Dark Side of Acting Up," uh, is a volume one, and it's it consists of uh, a bunch of plays. Um, that you can take to either just do scene monologues or practice or even, um, you know, create your own stage play based on it. And the second book, Dark Side of Acting Up, Volume 2, uh, we brought in a new contributor, Joseph Madry, who's an amazing author and has probably written over 10, 15 books. He's got some amazing stuff coming out. Um, uh, so you should look him up and check him out. But um this one is slightly different as to where it's a compilation of film scripts and short stories. So we're trying to constantly sort of up our game or, or at least adjust and change things and do something different every time we put something out. Um, and so this one I'm really excited about. This one's about twice as big as the first book. 
Cool. Um, it's huge in comparison. Yeah. Um, and it's got many more stories and some really great stuff and some amazing, amazing artwork by Ian Stopforth. So you need to check yeah, him out. Well. Yeah. It's just, a, he's, he's really an amazing artist and the, the, just look up the book, dark side of acting up. If you look it up on Amazon, there's a weird search issue, um, where it'll show a little link underneath that says, did you mean this or whatever? Click that. And the book should come right up. Um, or you can search one of our names. Uh, <laughs> Is but, that like uh, Amazon's artwork, sense? Did you really want to search for this book? Really? Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, of course. I typed it the way I wanted to type it, right? <laughs> and, and of course, you know, I had to try to be creative and, and make dark side one word, um, like Tales from the Dark Side. Uh, and that just, you know, made the, uh, it, it muddied the waters even further. <laughs> so, but anyway, if you, if you look for it, the artwork is amazing. The cover of this book just looks fantastic. We're so excited about it. So you guys should check it out. Um, it was really fun to make. and. Uh, we can't wait to see what the response is on it. Um, and then down the road, there's going to be even more. We've got even more stuff planned. It just takes time, you know. So stick around with this. <clears throat> so anyway, Carly, how you been? Doing okay. good? Still on the smoothie kick? I am, of course. All right. <laughs> it's, I'm all about the smoothie life. Told you. Very cool. It's happening. All right. I'm not going to waste my 20 pounds right. on my blender from Amazon. <laughs> Special offer. <laughs> we 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 used to have a uh, like a normal blender and um shawnee decided she i guess it broke you know it's like one of those ones with the glass craft or whatever and it, it cracked and broke so she invested a good chunk of money in a vitamix oh it sounds which, exciting I if, it's i don't know about exciting but it's fucking expensive yes. <laughs> It's like one of these big restaurant quality ones. And I mean, it costs as much as a fucking car. Wow. It's so much. Um, but it, it does work really well. Um, and I don't know why I brought it up, but we're talking about blenders. So there you go. We have that's, a that's exciting. I nearly used Lily's um, slushy machine that has been in the box yeah? since like two Christmases ago that she just had to have. I haven't got a clue how you'd make a smoothie out of a slushy machine. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure I can put gin in it. We figured out that we could probably put some <laughs> gin in it and we could make like frozen slushy, like gin slush. Amazing. Okay. Gin slush. <laughs> gin slush. I haven't, I, we haven't thought about marketing it as a better name yet. But <laughs> that's, a, that's an amazing name. When we get that gin out slush. of the attic, like that is summer 2021, gin slush <laughs> is coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! In the in the '80s, and I know you're you're much younger than me, but we had these uh, a staple of you know my childhood was these Snoopy slushy machines. I don't know if you've ever that's seen what those. it is. It's one of those. It is. Yeah. But oh, amazing. Okay. But yeah, it's got to be like the revamped, newer version. That's a piece of crap, though, right? Like, <laughs> not that your your slushy machine is a piece of crap, but they when they revamped them. They made them smaller. Oh yeah, it's kind and of and we we had bought one, and it was it it didn't even like shave the ice very well. <laughs> I don't know. It could have just been ours was defective or something. But I remember as a kid, it was much bigger and more robust. And now today, I think they just found a way to make them cheaper, um, and less robust. But it's yeah, <laughs> it just didn't work. 
um, but well, anyway, we, we it, that was the coolest thing. We got this for a present like two, I don't know, like two, three years ago or something. She had to have this thing. And it was one of them moments where it was like Christmas Eve and somebody for some ridiculous reason had, had bought, like they'd somehow managed to buy the same present for the same household. So they had this like slushy oh. that was going and Street was like, get it, get it. I don't care. We'll have it. We will have it. <laughs> and she, so she opened it, it was pre-wrapped because I'm pretty sure that they'd wrap them both and then realized. So it was pre-wrapped uh-huh. and everything to give to her. And she was like, oh, this is so exciting. This is amazing. Christmas morning, we had a look on Amazon at the prices for the freaking syrups and the cups. By Boxing oh, yeah. Day, it was in the corner. By New Year's Eve, it was in the attic. <laughs> <laughs> but did it work well? We haven't got it out the box yet. Oh, it's not even out of the box? No, we figured this out from YouTube tutorials that we believe that we can put alcoholic content in there. We have yet. Oh, you certainly can. We have yet to test it. Yeah, I, well, here's the thing. Like, when you make it, you don't put the syrup in the machine. You put the syrup on after. Oh, do you? So, yeah, yeah. The machine just shaves the ice into a cup. Oh. That's all it does. And then you pour the syrup on afterwards. So you can put whatever you want on it. Oh, okay. Well, that's Including bad. your favorite cherries. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's just uh, you just put it on after. All it does is really shave the ice. Um. But cool. I didn't even know. I, I wasn't sure if you Brits knew who Snoopy was. <laughs> we have a little bit of knowledge. Not much. We have some. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Carl, let's get into tonight's um, drink. Speaking of alcoholic beverages and Snoopy machines. <laughs> because of tonight's film that we're going to be discussing, the drink goes right along with it and is of the same name. Oh, it's called a Key Largo and it looks amazing. And the Key Largo is one ounce of light rum, three ounces of pineapple juice, a splash of orange juice, and a few drops, a few drops of uh, grenadine. Uh, so this is a super sweet drink, Yeah. Um, which I'm, you know, still sounds great. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, you don't have to do anything. No, no Boston shake or any of that stuff. You just stir it all the ingredients together and pour it rice. Oh, so I like um, that. I like that. I mean, so, yeah, it's just easy. So I guess you can put it in a Boston shaker if you want to, but I'm okay. I would just fill a cup with ice and yep. put the stuff in and stir. But that's a key Largo. <laughs> Very sweet. Unlike the film that we're watching tonight. We hope you guys will try this out, this Key Largo drink, if you've got all the fruit juice, and listen to us discuss Key Largo, uh, another Humphrey Bogart film who we both love. We should probably and tell them as well that we figured out what that leaf was that I had, that stick of grass. Oh, if you guys tuned in to a previous episode where we discussed this drink that Carly had at this restaurant, which I can't remember myself, However, she claimed it was filled with grass, which not the good kind of grass that gets you high, but apparently some sort of weed grass. Uh, <laughs> turns out, turns out it was not grass at all. No. Nope. Carly, why don't you tell us what it was? Apparently it was a banana leaf. A banana leaf. I don't know how you could mix those up. Well, it was rolled up. I say it was right rolled up grass. It's like rolled up green grass. It's like salary, like celery. So... <laughs> 
I have I'm to- not even sure you're supposed to eat the banana leaf, it's, are you? Uh, I don't know. I edit. I'm still here. But this is, this is how, like, ridiculous a human I am. I asked my husband, I was like, what was that when I had that? And he was just straight away went, oh, it's a banana leaf. I'm going, no. Which yeah. looks nothing like grass. I don't know where you got the grass thing from. It's green. It's green? <laughs> That's so the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he sent me drink again. <laughs> Get out, Bob. I was like, Eric Bana was in my drink. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was very grassy. I wish she was in my drink. I wouldn't mind the grass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just like, you, you, you. It's a banana leaf. You want to do it? I'm playing my game. I'm like, was it really? I had to Google banana leaf. I was like, oh, yeah, that was what was in my drink. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so untrusted. I was like, is he trying to tell me to say something silly? <laughs> Not that I need any help. <laughs> saying something right. silly. Right. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So, myself. <laughs> so guys, uh, while we make these drinks, why don't you enjoy the trailer for the film Key Largo? off Boot Key Harbor on my way in. Over. Hold your course. You're headed straight for Key Largo. Key Largo. The screen's most electrifying personalities. Humphrey Bogart. Edward G. Robinson. Lauren Bacall. Lionel Barrymore. Claire Trevor. Our meeting in... Key Largo, where adventure inflames men to violent action, and romance smolders in women until it conquers or kills. Key Largo, a lonely island off the coast of Florida, sultry, heat-ridden, cloaked in the strange menace of the sea. But stranger still is the destiny that brings these people to this remote outpost, to be held at bay with a price on their lives by a man with a price on his head. Nothing to stop me from wiping you all out. What good will that do, boss? Forget it, her kind's a dime a dozen. I say smack her and let it go at that. Smacking her isn't enough for such an insult. He'd have to kill her. Then he'd have to kill the rest of us because we witnessed it. But to kill us all or nothing. We rid ourselves of your kind once and for all. You ain't coming back. Who's gonna stop me, old man? Filth. You filth. I won't let you go without me. You've got to take me. You've got to. Oh, get You've away got from to. me. I'm wild, kid. Smell blood, huh? Got your appetite up. You can make your hopes come true. But you gotta die for it. See what I'm aiming? Right at your belly. Go ahead, shoot. Get away, sister. Get away, Nora. Maxwell Anderson's smashing stage success. Brought to greater brilliance by the most superb cast of the year. Edward G. Robinson, Humphrey Bogart, Lauren Bacall, Lionel Barrymore, and Claire Trevor. In Warner Brothers' Key Largo. Alright guys, I uh, hope you enjoyed the uh, trailer for 
Key Largo. Um, shit, I didn't open my notes. <laughs> very, very well. I think I threw you with the banana leaf. I think so. I think it's between that and just being half asleep here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. All right. Key Largo is opening now. I have my notes. Which are very sparse. They're there. Um, all right, folks. Hope you guys enjoyed the uh, trailer for Key Largo. Uh, Key Largo is a 1948 American film noir crime drama directed by none other than John Huston. And it stars Humphrey Bogart, Edward G. Robinson, and Lauren Bacall. What a fucking fantastic lineup. Fast Directed by John Huston, Humphrey Bogart, his wife, Lauren, Edward G. Robinson. Yeah, it's just amazing. Features Lionel Barrymore, Claire Trevor, uh, which honestly, I didn't, I didn't really care for her in this movie. And I was extremely surprised that not only was she nominated for an Academy Award, but she won the damn thing. Oh, she's the drunk um, lady at the bar. Yes. Wow. See, I actually really, really liked. She was. I liked her. I zoned in with her. Yeah. I. You know. I didn't. I don't know. I, she was okay, but it didn't stand. Like I don't know. Maybe it was just me. I, I didn't think that her performance stood out. However, I do think. Humphrey Bogart's performance was amazing in this. I think this is the the best I've ever seen him. Um, and he doesn't have a lot of dialogue either. He's he's very reserved in this film. But I feel like this is one of the one of the few films where he's not that typical '40s noir actor, and he's got so much emotion on his face. It's not Humphrey Bogart, the A-list actor. It's he's he's actually delivering like some quality uh, undertone dramatic performance here um, that I really, I really loved. I just, for whatever reason, I just really loved his performance in this film. Just, just the emotion and the looks on his face. I know you're going to think I'm crazy, Carly, because you know, you like him in everything. Okay, but, it's true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like it was just, uh, this was to me so far out of everything that I've seen of his, I believe this was my favorite performance of his. And then you say something back. Well, I'm waiting for my dramatic piano. (laughs) Well, say something. (laughs) I did. I'm waiting for my dramatic piano. (laughs) Okay. So with that said, and without getting into the movie too much just yet... In case you haven't seen Key Largo, or if you have and you need a refresher, Carly is going to give us her her super famous, in a nutshell, synopsis. And now it's time for Carly's super famous, in a nutshell, synopsis. Humphrey Bogart takes on a group of murderous gangsters, led by the most suave, sinister man ever. And a hurricane in one of the best films ever made, ever. (laughs) Well, that that? was dramatic. Thank you. That was Alec Baldwin dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) Always be Key Largoing. (laughs) (laughs) It's ABK now instead of ABC. (laughs) 
Glenn Glenn, 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 Glenn Ross, for those that don't understand that reference. <laughs> Did you like it then? Was that a winner? Yeah, that was pretty good. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Um, yeah. I've seen this movie several times. Uh, only this last time that I watched it, particularly for this podcast, did I, um, did I recall a homage to this movie, uh, which I, I don't know why I find this fascinating. Maybe it's because I like the show, but there's a TV show, Quantum Leap. Do you know what that is? Oh, yeah. I used to like that. Um, oh, what's his name? Scott Summit. Scott Bakula. Yes. He was in the... And he was the Captain Archer in Enterprise as well. Yes, yes. Yes. Um, such a fantastic show. I love it. It might have its cheesy moments and whatnot, but it's such a good show. Yeah. And I remember... Such a fun show. Yeah. I remember watching... I think it was in the later seasons, like maybe season five or six, and it didn't run for that long. I think maybe it only got six or seven seasons. But in one of the later seasons, like there was a season finale where he leaps into somebody's body that is stuck on an island and there's a hurricane hitting. <gasps> um, and I remember there being like a murder mystery involved. And basically it, it, when I watched it, this, this movie, this time Key Largo, it instantly reminded me like teleported back, me back to that moment, watching that episode, which was so dramatic because it was a season ender and it was a cliffhanger. Um, and we didn't find out what happened until the next season started. As far as my remember, my, my memory serves me anyways. Um, and I was just like, holy crap, they, they made Key Largo on Quantum Leap. <laughs> That's really cool. That's another episode. We're just collecting episodes of things we need to watch. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's so fun to go back. Like when I watch shows like Quantum Leap or, you know, even Murder, She Wrote or Columbo or things like those older TV shows. I always find it fun and fascinating to uh, get to see these these guest stars that show up on these on these shows and the homages because the amount of ones that did like random yeah. one off film noir episodes that you never remembered at mm -hmm. the time. Yeah, at the time when they came out, it's like that's just a new episode, or they're just yeah. doing this thing. But then it's like if you you know dig around and you figure out what that was drawn from, you know that sort of thing. It's just it's so fun. It's it just adds another layer to it, you know? And most people won't do that because Star it's like, Trek. The view, when you go back and watch yeah. Star Trek Next Generation, there are so many like Sherlock Holmes and murder mystery episodes and stuff like that that you miss. That at the time, you just thought, oh, mm -hmm. we're on the holodeck. This is just different. But when you go back and it's like, crap, there's basically a murder mystery <laughs> right. in space. Right. <laughs> yeah, those are, those are pretty fascinating things to be able to look back on. Um, I think people take for granted at the time. I think that most people think TV or consider TV, at least back then, was like just throwaway content kind of mm, kind of a thing. Yeah. I think that's changed quite a bit. And I'll always reference X-Files as being sort of the deciding, not deciding, but the the real change in American television. Because that was really the show where they stepped it up and and started making basically many movies they were much higher quality than anything that came before it yeah you uh, wanted to see it again yeah it, it was it was it was just see it again like so mm -hmm. you couldn't miss an episode because you wouldn't get to see it again you right yeah yeah it. home video was was not really a thing yet um as far as like tv goes um 
so that was, yeah, it, it, that was really that time that things started changing and, and quality started changing and it became more like film work. Um, and I think people's attitudes towards television have, have drastically changed, especially over the last, I don't know, 10 years, maybe. Yeah. Uh, uh, Netflix and yeah, it's like episodic material has become more prevalent, um, and more important in society and, and, um, it's, it's really strange because today, like with streaming, uh, nobody watches it together anymore. You know what I mean? It used to be like an event sort of thing. Like if, uh, the X-Files was come on, you knew everybody would be in front of their TVs to watch it, you know? And then you would talk about it the next day. Now it's like shows come out and you just binge the entire season in one night you're just kind of waiting for other people to catch up or, Oh, did they watch it? Oh, they only watch one episode. It's hard to have a sort of uh, connection or discourse with people about, about that sort of content when it's so readily and easily available, but everybody's on different time tables as far as how they watch it. They're no longer forced to watch it on a certain day. And if you miss it, you're screwed. See, that's um, why I appreciated 24 so much. I think that was the last big solid TV program that I can recall that had you glued to your, like, to the schedule. It was on at nine o'clock on whatever day it was. You were there at fucking half eight waiting. Yeah, I can't remember the year that 24 ended, but I mean, there was, there was a prison break, uh, Heroes, uh, 24, Fringe. Um, there was a whole sort of like early mid two thousands, I think crop of television that really, you know, was the last sort of time that that kind of happened. And I know there's certain, uh, like, uh, premium channels like HBO and things like that, that don't release everything right away. You have to wait like the new Perry Mason. Like, I really appreciate that. And then, and, uh, Lovecraft country, uh, you have to wait for those next episodes to come out. And I, there's a, there's definitely a value there. You know, like I was telling you on a previous episode, uh, how, uh, Shawnee and I have been watching Cobra Kai. Um, I don't, I think that originally came out on YouTube of all places, but I had always discounted it because it just, I thought it was just going to be cheesy, like a money grab kind of thing. And so I, I never watched it. And now it is the two seasons into it. Uh, hopefully there's a third one coming out. Netflix, I think picked it up. That's what we're watching it on. Um, and it's just amazing how good the writing is on this show. Like this show should not work. I don't know if you were ever a fan of the Karate Kid or anything like that. It's probably before your time and something you don't care about. But that was like, that was a big movie when I was a kid. And like watching the show, it's just, it's so phenomenal how they flipped the characters on their heads uh, and just made this show just so well written. It's just, it's amazing. It just really is. I can't talk about it enough. It's just so great. Um, but she's forcing us to watch it, you know, one episode at a time. She, you know, she won't let us watch multiple in a row. (laughs) It gets annoying because it's so good. And I get to the end and you know, the next one's there and I'm just, yeah. But she's like, nope, nope, nope. (laughs) I'm like, fine. That's that's good. Cause they did that with the card on Amazon and then gave up. But the first like, you had to wait till like you got the card and then that was it. So I would watch Picard, I would download it on my tab, my dad would watch it, and then we would have to sit sulking for six days until the next one was up. But it was fun because it reminded you. Oh, of- you're talking about the uh, the Star Trek? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Okay. Yeah. 
They didn't put that one all at I once. I was talking over you. Have oh, okay. I was talking over you, so I didn't catch the title of it. Um, yeah, Picard and Discovery were, yeah, were that way. I think uh, uh, some of these um, streaming platforms, like solely streaming platforms, haven't, I think they embraced it too much that they can just get people to bench stuff. Like for what purpose? I don't know. I don't, I don't think that that gives them more subscriptions, which is their model. Um, and I think it, it, it's, I don't know. I would say it does contribute to weakening of society. I think it does contribute to like the overly use of like cell phones and, and things like that, where people are, are tuning out and no longer social and it's creating a, a bigger divide between people. Um, and actually speaking of, I mean, Netflix is being a proponent of that. There is a great documentary on Netflix right now. that discusses exactly that but it's geared towards companies like Facebook and Google. Oh, I was going to say, there's a documentary on Netflix about how evil Netflix is. <laughs> uh, there, yeah, I haven't watched that one yet. Um, but, you know, the, there's a lot to be said about that sort of thing. And, um, you know, if you watch these documentaries on it, these are people that worked at these companies and left because they knew that there's something wrong with this. There's not anything illegal but just a moral sort of code. And the, the interesting thing is that there's no, um, there's really no one person to blame for it. Like you can't just blame Zuckerberg or you can't just blame, you know, whoever it's, it's, it's a collective of great ideas that were supposed to benefit society, but somehow get warped into a monetization factor. And the idea of, uh, basically stealing people's time in order to push advertisements. That's, that's the whole purpose of that, of those platforms. And then they're very open about it. That's kind of terrifying when you phrase it like that. It, it really is. And if you, if you watch it and you listen to these people speak, how they don't, they're, you can just see in their, their mannerisms, the way they speak, they don't exactly know how to express it per se but they just know deep down inside there's something fundamentally wrong about it. Um, and there is, and, and they eventually they're able to, to get it out and, and help you understand why you should stay. And, and even they're speaking about, they work for the damn company. They design these tools. They know how bad they are for people wow. and how addictive they are. See, I similar, But it was mobile phones. It was a load of people that worked at Nokia back in the day that brought the first Nokia phone out and it mm -hmm. was all their regrets about it and how they wish they'd never done it and how they could see yeah, like yeah. the addiction in it at the time, but they all just kind of went, Oh, it'd be okay. So that's kind of. Yeah. It's, it's very hard. I mean, when you get into these companies, it's all about money and the bottom line and you know, that sort of thing. Uh, it's, it becomes this, inhuman beast it's not any one person it's the collective you know and people being okay with it oh my god you know, it's the because borg. of money we're all going to be the yeah. borg well i mean pretty much i mean we're not but they will be they're the ones with the money we're just we'll be the poor borg <laughs> now nah, have you seen wally yes i love wally that's my favorite that's film. what we're gonna oh be oh my god that was a confession that's Wally is like my second favorite film ever. <laughs> it's amazing. And it's sad because it's a direct, 
you know, um, connection to our society of today. You know, we're going to be the, all the people fat and lounging around the chairs, drinking big gulps, uh, you know, having everything done for us. And then there's Wally with his little radio listening to, um, oh my God, who's the actor that he listens to singing? You're way too excited about Wally. I'm sorry, it's a problem. <laughs> I have a cushion and a little Wally doll in my car, so. You're like, I don't give a crap about Wally's cautionary tale. It's just, it's a cute little robot. He's <laughs> just so sweet and he just doesn't speak. How do you make an entire, it's amazing to me. It's like a Charlie Chaplin film. They made an entire film where barely anybody speaks in this day and mm-hmm. age. That was huge and yeah. he's amazing. It was, That's it is amazing. I love Wally. Great movie. But for the social commentary, not because they don't speak. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a bit antisocial, so I kind of like the silence bit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know how we got off this. Where did this come from? I don't know. We're talking about Key Largo, and we spent a half an hour talking about fucking cell phone evil corporations. (laughs) Well, it could have been worse. We could have spent half an hour talking about Humphrey Bogart being amazing. Well, I mean, that we probably so we already talking about. Probably already have about three consecutive hours of how Humphrey Bogart is amazing, and another two on Edward G. Robinson. Right. So we've got like yeah. five hours. How amazing! Them now we got the double whammy here. We got both of them in the same movie, and Lauren Bacall. She is the best damn actress ever. She's great. She's fantastic. They all, she's everybody in this movie. Amazing. This is yeah. This is just a great, fun movie. Um, she's my it's another. It's a. Ever. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> See, I do like women. I like one woman. I like her. <laughs> you know what they need? They need the they need Funko Pop um film noir series. <gasps> yes. How cool would that be? That'd be awesome. Then we could collect all of Humphrey Bogart. We could have Sam Spade, Humphrey Bogart. We could have Philip Marlowe, Humphrey Bogart. We could have Humphrey Bogart, Humphrey Bogart. We could have desperate You're killing me right now. We could spread this around, okay? There could be a Lauren Bacall. There can be a Humphrey Bogart. Maybe two Humphrey Bogarts. No, there's millions. <laughs> Edward Robinson. Yeah, we we need some more. <laughs> oh my God, the Edward G. Robinson. That, we could have him in a little house, a little red house. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you can't have, discount him from bullets and ballots. We could have Humphrey Bogart with a bandage on his face as well. They could also do series of like they could do like a Key Largo series where it's like yes. the three of them. Well, they would have to have Claire there too because she's the only one that won the Academy Award. Which she could be holding an Academy Award. Her her <laughs> could be holding an Academy Award. No, 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 no. She's got to be sitting there in her what she was wearing with her hair done up and stuff, but looking drunk, holding with a glass drink. of alcohol. <laughs> would, yeah. Oh my god, buy me that, that for Christmas, hers. please, please. If you manage yeah. to get this off the ground, I want that one first. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's so much they could do, and this is the only way that they're ever going to get my money is by doing something like that. They could do the whole, like, what what did they call that painting of the the bar where there's like Marilyn Monroe and Humphrey Bogart and James Dean. Uh, I can't think of what the name of the painting is, but um, anyway, oh. they could do like, because Funko Pop does those like little scenes like that. They got like a nightmare yeah. for Christmas one and different things. They could do, that would be, that would be amazing. I would totally put that in, in my house somewhere. <laughs> uh, 
Again, we're not talking about Key Largo. No. What's happening here? This is an amazing movie, and we're not talking about it. <laughs> we just think we're just finding ways for more people to see it. Because to be honest, if anybody's listening to this podcast and they haven't seen this film, what's going on? <laughs> what is going on? Most of the films that we watch, people should have already seen. But I mean, well, no, because we do if have some obscure ones. We do, we do kind of come across some suggestions or ones that we've not seen or little obscure mm-hmm. ones, but. I'm sorry, Key Largo. Yeah, no. it's definitely one that should be known. Yeah. And it's the last film that Bogart and Bacall did together. Yes. Uh, which is which just, sad. And Did you find that surprising, though? Because it didn't, I, it sounds really horrible when I say it, but he didn't look, he looked worse in other ones. For this to be the last one, if you were just looking at them all, I'd probably place this a little bit sooner into their pairing. No, I mean, he's looked worse in other films, but I don't necessarily think any of the ones with her. Because the one right before this was Dark Passage, right? And I mean, he looked fine in that. I don't know. I don't. Maybe it was just the air about him in this one. Well, yeah, I think that's because the war-torn hero... Um, kind of guy, but then also the conflicted, uh, out, not out for himself, but self-preservation sort of Yeah, I don't want to get involved. Yeah, and life. again, I think that added to, I, th- I think he really, he was really trying to do something here as an actor. Like, I feel like what you're talking about is really his connection to the character. Yeah. Because I do, I, I fully believe that this is his best work. Um, people might love like things like Casablanca and things like that. But his acting in this film, I think, is far exceeds Casablanca. Definitely, I think people just love that story. People just romanticize Casablanca. That that's the ro- that's the romantic image of him. Yeah, there. I mean, I I like it, but it's boring to me, <laughs> um, and too long. I do like it, but I mean, I, there's a lot more that I prefer than that. Same. Um, and this one is just really well done. And, and I think he just shows amazing emotion in this film. It's very claustrophobic, isn't it? I, you know, I didn't really feel like it. Was, I can see how people would think that because it I basically like takes place it. in one place. But I feel like the hotel is so big, especially the main room where we spend most of the time, that it didn't really feel claustrophobic to me. Um the only time it really felt that way is when they're up in uh, the bedroom in Edward G. Robinson's bedroom. And we have that whole scenario with uh, him trying to get Bogart to shoot him. It was really the only time where it felt claustrophobic and, and it worked really well that way. Mm. Um, and I really love the whole trope because there's, there's modern films. Speaking of that scene, there's modern films where they, they do do the cliche that they did not do in this movie, but reference it. Um, and I, I still always think that that's amazing that they did. I don't know if there's a movie that came before it that pulled, that tried to do that, but the whole thing where he doesn't shoot and the old man is like, oh yeah, he, he knew it was empty. You, you, you must've been able to. Oh, uh, he's not stupid. He can't waste his time when you can. He's like, no, I couldn't. I just didn't want to show. I didn't want to die. Whatever it is he says. And. You see, I've seen that in modern movies where like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I'm so awesome and cool. I could tell that the weight was different. Um, and so it was kind of interesting that they turned that sort of cliche on its head. 
even though I don't know that that was ever a cliche, especially at the time that that I wonder if that happened in a movie before. Like, is there a movie out there where somebody knew that the gun was empty because of the weight of it? And then they sort of did the anti version of that or were they just way ahead of their time or did modern movies sort of steal the opposite idea of that from Key Largo? Um, I don't know, but I thought I was, I was fascinated by that. I really love the, the old man, the age. He's great. He's so mouthy. I love him. Yeah, I mean, he is. And he's also, he's, he's just lovable because he cares. Yeah. And all of these uh, Native Americans that show up, uh, you know, he's the one person they trust because he's an honest. He's an honest guy, takes care of them and he just says what he thinks. And I love the fact that they can't, no matter, they could have had a machine gun in there and he wouldn't have shot up. He'd be like, oh, well, shoot me. <laughs> you want me to shut up? Shoot me. <laughs> and they don't. I mean, then there's, there's, is an admirable quality to that, but that it is also stupidity. Like there, there's something to be said about hot headed people that don't give a shit. I guess though that he's left life and he's kind of faced whatever he's facing. He's like, you little boys don't scare me. So, and that's why he's got so much respect for the other characters. Cause he's like, you little kids messing with guns, making yourself look big, I'm not interested in you. Yeah, no, I, I get that, but that's also an easy way to fucking die. Well, yeah, well, yeah, kind of. I mean, it's it's stupid. Like Bogart is not stupid in this movie. He he might have been a war hero, but he's not. He's not a hero outside of the war. <laughs> he does care about living, and I mean, I don't think anybody should be knocked for that. Um, no, not. I, I do think that old school attitude of the old man in that respect. It's just something that's going to get you unnecessarily killed. You know, there, there's not, there, you're not going to change anything by acting that way. These people are not going to go away. All you're going to do is get shot in the head. I think the only problem is, is his, his attitude may be taking other people down with him. <laughs> like they, they, for sooner or later, they're going to start picking on your daughter-in-law because you won't shut up. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, that, that's true. That, that very well could happen. I mean, they might, you know, get at him another way without like just right out killing him or something. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there is something interesting and fun about those tough old bastards, <laughs> you know? Um, and Edward G. Robinson is, is kind of, he's, he's a bit of a fun character in this because it seems like he almost develops being badder than he already is because of Bogart. <laughs> It's almost like Bogart is egging this man on to be the worst that he can be, talking him up and making him feel like he's a king, you know, in a sarcastic manner. But Energy Robinson is taking that as like, yeah, yeah, I am a tough guy. Yeah, I am a bit bad guy. Yeah, I am. Shoulders more broader. Like, yeah, that's right. Why don't you guys ever tell me I'm amazing like he does? Give the guy right. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, and and I mean, like, it's he takes it hook, line, and sinker kind of thing. And I mean, he ends up dying for it, but it, I don't know, I thought that was just a brilliant way to kind of play it because I mean, Boger can just kept his mouth shut, he didn't have to say anything, he obviously wasn't mentally in a position to try to be the hero, and he knew that. So I didn't see any purpose of him doing that. At first, I thought he's just like, 
trying to throw him off balance and gonna gonna flip this somehow. But he really doesn't. He never flips it. He just like he's just being a sarcastic kind of asshole without Edward G. Robson really understanding it. Well, I guess and, and just a kind of, level of intellect, don't it? I suppose on his character's behalf that he's able to manipulate him without doing nothing. Right, right. <laughs> so it's fun. It's it's fun. Um, hey, did you notice? How now, did you know? Oh no, you go first. No, no, you go first. Oh, mine's mine would be silly, but I was just going to say, did you notice how every time the thunder like crashed, it sounded like gunfire? Or was that just me? No, I didn't notice that. Every single time, uh, that th- I only remembered it because I wrote this is one of the films that I did for my um, uh, film course years, but God knows how many years ago, and um, I picked up on it like, oh crap, I remember that. Yeah, every time. As the as the storm gets closer and closer, it sounds more like rapid ammunition gunfire. I had no idea. Now I'm going to have to go back and, and check it out because it's interesting. <laughs> and you're like, Carly, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, I think I think that's. Uh, I mean, that makes total sense. That's a great little like John Houston thing that I could see happening. Um, so I'd have to go back and look at that because I didn't notice it, but that's cool. It's very ah, cool. Yay. Yeah. Uh, did you know, this is a bunch of you, did you know, did you know, did you know? <laughs> <laughs> There's actually not a whole lot of lore about this movie. Um, but what I could find is that uh, there was in the original script, or maybe maybe it's the book, uh, it's a little unclear. Um, but it was also a Broadway performance, so maybe it was in the Broadway play, I'm not sure. But in some version of this, Frank was supposed to be a disgraced deserter of the world and and in the end of the movie he was supposed to end up dying oh yeah which actually had he even in this version even him not being a disgraced war hero i still think that the him dying at the end could also have been a a significant ending that would have been just fine i mean obviously we want him to survive because we want to root for the hero kind of thing but that could have been interesting. Like he did get shot on the boat. Um, had he died from it, that would also, that would be pretty interesting as well. Um, yeah, you know, and then also seeing the old man and uh, Lauren Bacall's character also having to grieve over him now, you know, he does end up saving everybody and they have to grieve not only for her husband and, and him for his son, but also for this stranger who brought them some peace. Yeah. And for all intents and purposes, could quite happily have slipped into the role that the son left. Yeah. Very, very light. Yeah. And I think that's probably actually what ends up happening at the end of this movie after, yeah. you know, it, it's over with. That's probably the thing. Um, but yeah. I mean, uh, it's, uh, I found that pretty interesting. And I wonder, I wonder if that was ever something that was maybe filmed and tested or, if it was just uh, just an idea that was 86 or where it actually came from. I don't know. That's that's because it's weird when you go back into the history and think, would they have let him die? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that that is pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> now, this was also, uh, it doesn't mention anything about the Quantum Leap episode that I'm talking about, but it does mention that this was sort of remade 
Oh no, I'm I'm sorry. It wasn't remade. It was they. Okay, I'm sorry. My my apologies. I I misread oh. that. It wasn't remade. It was in reference to Bogart and Bacall. This being their last film um, together, but they did do an episode of television together uh, in, in 1955. There was a anthology series called Producer Showcase. They did a live television ver- version of uh, with Henry Fonda. Um, oh, I like of the Petrified Fonda. Forest. Yeah, yeah, you too. Um, for some reason, I read that as like it was a it was a TV version of this film, but it wasn't. It was a Petrified Forest. My apologies. <laughs> We accept your apologies. Um, my did you know is probably going to be, yeah, of course I did. But did you know that the uh, boat in the final sequence was his own boat? No, it was not. Yes, it was. I hate I hate to burst your bubble there. It's not oh, his own boat. That's but sad. but I you're, you're partially, no, you're partially correct though. And where that comes from is his own boat was also called the Santana. Ah, so that that's where people get confused with that. Yeah. Um, So it wasn't actually his own boat, but they named it after Humphrey Bogart's actual boat. Um, Also, Bogart's production company, he named Santana. Um, Which going into this for the podcast, I thought this was either the first film or the last film from Santana, but it's not. This doesn't have anything to do with Santana. And I think oh. maybe I thought that because of the name of the boat. Maybe. Um, yeah, because I don't see anything referenced that this is has anything to do with Santana Films or Productions or whatever the name of the company was. But it's purely Warner Brothers, as far as I know. But yeah, that was uh, that was the name of his boat, just not his actual boat. And I was surprised. Like I again, it wasn't until researching this for this podcast that I find out that this is all studio. Like they built the hotel and they built the beach and. Oh, I read something about that. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a great, um, a great job they did on on building the sets. Uh, when I all the other times that I watched this, I thought that was, this was like on location. Yeah. Uh, most likely in Florida or something. Um, and they did have a few exterior shots that were in Florida, but um, I had no idea this was a set. I mean, I tell you, like in the forties, they did a great job doing that that kind of stuff. Um, making these sets look fantastic. What I find amazing though in the 40s, sometimes they just like painted something. Like they paint it out of cardboard and put it there, but it stands up to death. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. And then the water stuff was shot on another set. They have a um a big like water tank that they use for that. Um, which I love those things, man. All the fog that they did and uh, you know, him up on top of the boat waiting for Robinson to come out from below. Um, I, I loved all that. That was fantastic. <sighs> all right, Carly. Uh, since we spent more than half this podcast talking about uh, the, you know, evil of technology. Um, <laughs> the evils of the internet and the world. <laughs> let's uh, let's give this movie a rating. Do you need dramatic piano? Or I think we I think we all know what you're going to do with this. <laughs> Well, unsurprisingly, I'm going to whip out 10 gin bottles for this bad boy. Sweet. Because the only other film that I think is better than this one is The African Queen. Oh, really? And Humphrey Bogart's collection. Hmm. Okay. All right. So, boom. 10. (laughs) 
right, I also give it 10. I love this movie. I think it's great. I think it's well, well made. Again, I don't think um, maybe it's just a staple of Houston, not necessarily pushing the envelope on anything and just being a well-rounded, solid director. I think he's great. But I don't think he ever is breaking the mold per se. I don't think he's ever doing anything that's uh, uh, like Orson Welles, you know, where he's really pushing the envelope and creating new ways of doing that. I don't think Houston ever does that. Hmm. He's just a solid, well-rounded director that makes good films. Um, But stemming from that and being a good director, I really think that he pulled a fantastic performance out of Bogart. Um, obviously to some, uh, Claire Trevor, he pulled a fantastic performance out of, and there's a little bit of lore to, to that about him not allowing her to rehearse the song that she's supposed to do, uh, in the movie and keep, he kept putting her off and not letting her rehearse it. Cause he wanted it to, I guess, to be bad. Oh. Um, and then, yeah. So then when you see it in the film, that's actually the one, you know, her first take doing it unrehearsed and. Uh, and, and that's what he wanted. And I guess that's pretty much what won her the Oscar. <laughs> Quite possibly. Um, yeah. I mean, she, she's the best drunk woman at the bar that I think I've ever seen. She makes me think that I could survive in the forties as that woman. <laughs> yeah. I look, give her my drink. Shut up, you lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's just stay away from Robinson. Yeah. Oh, would you know that I'd make friends with the weirdo? So clearly I gravitate towards bloody Edward G. Robinson in the corner. Hello, you look small. Let's be friends. Done. That's it. I'm in the gangster life. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I have no doubt you'd you'd be able to fit in perfectly in the gangster life. <laughs> <laughs> you should wear a hat, man. <laughs> Has anyone ever told you you're the biggest gangster in New York? <laughs> <laughs> Have you got a shandy? <laughs> it's a shame because I like Lauren Bacall though as well. So it's a shame that she got over, not overshadowed, but they're just very different. Yeah, I, I think her her performance needed to be more on the dramatic side and and low key um, yeah. drama. And then uh, I, I guess I'm saying that wrong because uh, Gay Don was uh, very dramatic and over the top. Mm. Um, but uh, I think. Uh, Nora Temple needed to sort of be the anchor, the the sort of normality um, as to where everybody else is like acting crazy and a very emotional. She's very grounded. Um, and, and as such, you know, that that's the good thing about actors is that they can leave room for other actors to have the, the limelight or the spotlight. And that's what makes a good movie. Um, as we've experienced in other projects, like when you have an actor that, you know, must be the center of attention, it doesn't make for a better film. They have to be able to allow co-stars and other people to shine and stand out. And that's, I think, very important, especially for an ensemble cast like this movie. Yeah. But uh, all right, guys, uh, we hope you enjoyed um, our discussion on social media and <laughs> the effects of it. on people <laughs> also our discussion on key largo uh, <laughs> and we hope you enjoyed your key largo drink <laughs> as well anyway fantastic film we hope you guys either check it out or have seen it and enjoyed it as much as we did um oh and i guess i didn't even give it 
my rating did I? It's it's also 10 gins. There's nothing much else I can say. It's 10 gins. Throw in your hat. Post it to Carly. Yep. Let's all go next year to the Key Largo Film Festival and descend on them with our podcast and our people about how wonderful it is. Done. 10 out of 10. Million out of 10. <laughs> Perfect. Oh my God, can you imagine getting that email? <laughs> We're closed that year. <laughs> right. All right, guys. Until next time. Bye-bye. He's looking at you, kid. Thanks for joining us this week on the Speakeasy Noircast. Make sure to visit our website, resurrectionfilms.net, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or any of your favorite podcast apps so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, The Dark Side of Acting Up and The Dark Side of Acting Up Volume 2, now available on Amazon. Or you can check out one of our films, also available on Amazon Prime. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Speakeasy Noircast.